Let's open in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, getting us here safely as we drove across ice and other sundry things. And Father, what a good God you are to guide us, to protect us, to gather us together in the name of Jesus Christ who loved us, who redeemed us, who gave himself for us. Father, I pray that as we look at this subject this morning, that you would uh, grant us open minds. Father, that you would grant us wisdom, that you would um, cause us to search your word and, and think about these things and consider them. Father, I pray for each one here that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well... <clears throat> You know, I, I, I feel somewhat, I started looking back there because I thought about reading Acts 17, because I feel somewhat provoked in my spirit, and I, I think from time to time I get provoked. Um, be, because I look around our society and I see idols, things that people worship. Uh, yesterday, I think I, I tended to notice that a lot of people were jonesing over Missing an NFL game. Like, I have to subscribe to thus and such, whatever it was, service so that I don't miss a playoff game. And I thought, that's kind of sad. Um, I mean, if you already get it or whatever, fine, but it just seemed kind of goofy. But I don't know if anybody's noticed, but there seems to be an increase in the emphasis on gambling these days. Have you seen any of those advertisements or heard any of them on the radio? FanDuel. Yeah, in fact, I looked up, uh, I thought, well, let's just see what the top apps are. USA Today, I mean, I, I gave up on the Apple Store, but USA Today has a, has a listing of the best gambling apps. I'm not even going to go through it, but I just thought, this is how serious it is, where a national newspaper will take the time to evaluate the gambling apps. And you know what I find most interesting about these advertisements, though, on the radio how many advertisements do you listen to? I mean, it could be any number of medical advertisements or other things. But do you ever hear, you know, a disclaimer at the end, some kind of lawyer saying, you know, if you have problems, contact 1-800. Did you know there's actually there's a, a, a mass helpline for gambling? What, and, and, you know, part of what bugs me is when they vote to legalize gambling, what do they say? Here's the pitch from the politicians that it's going to do what? It's going to bring in revenue, yes, but it's also going to do something else, which is help the children. That's that's the whole pitch for the lottery, right? Oh, help the children so we don't have to raise your taxes. Um, because it is a tax, whether you recognize that or not. The lottery is a tax. It's just a voluntary tax. You know, I don't think the government gets them enough of my money. I'll play the lottery. Um <clears throat> They talk about economic growth. They talk about good-paying jobs. And you know what? I think as we go through this, you're going to realize that these good-paying jobs, it's kind of like if I said, well, you know, loan sharking is good because it creates good jobs for the guys who come and break your legs when you don't pay your debt. Are those good jobs? I don't think they are. <laughs> yeah, thanks for 
So I, I didn't have, I, I didn't fashion enough questions for a quiz, but I do have some questions. So we'll start with number one. True or false, gambling is not expressly forbidden in the Bible, so it's not a sin. I mean, does anybody have a verse that says, thou shalt not gamble? It is the 11th commandment, but no, there is no verse that says that. Does that mean it's not a sin? There's no verse, well, that's arguable. But is there a verse about abortion? Probably not. You know, does that mean it's okay to do it? No. I, I borrowed a lot of this morning, this morning's material from several articles from Phil Johnson. And I don't think he'll sue me. Um, Phil says, and the answer to that, by the way, is false. I'm going to argue that gambling is a sin. And, you know, some of you will say, well, no, it's not. And we'll, we'll work through that. The absence, Phil says, of a single command or proof texting against gambling ultimately proves nothing. There are a lot of things that are not explicitly mentioned in the Bible, which we would probably agree are clearly sinful. And he gives the example of there's nothing in the Bible that explicitly forbids. Are you ready? Arson. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, yeah, it's pretty bad, though. Um, <laughs> and he says it's a it is a violation of the commandment. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor, neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That's Leviticus 19:18. And I mean, there are other reasons people commit arson, you know, whether it's insurance fraud. But I mean, all those things are sinful. But I, I asked this question. I said, how many non-sinful things does the government create a helpline for? <laughs> I mean, they legalize this and they know it's a problem. But it's like, you know, alcohol is legal. And they have all kinds of programs for that, too. But I took this from their website, uh, the Mass Gambling Help, whatever. I, I don't know if I put it down here or not. Somewhere I have the link. It says, gambling takes many forms. And many people don't even realize they're gambling. What seems like a harmless pastime for some can cause serious problems for others. Oh, yeah, there it is. Gambling help helpline M.A. dot org. You know, again, now there's some good paying jobs. The people who created the website, who wrote all this stuff up and who are probably staffing all the rehab facilities that, you know, people are going to. But here are some of the questions they asked to determine whether you have a gambling problem. During the past 12 months, have you become restless, irritable, or anxious when, you're, when trying to stop or cut down on your gambling? I mean, are there other problems that people have that lend themselves to addictions? You could say, well, shopping could be an addiction. Yeah, okay, all right. I think ultimately what we have to ask ourselves, is there anything positive that comes out of gambling? And some people will say entertainment. We'll cover that. During the, here's another question. During the past 12 months, have you tried to keep your family or friends from knowing how much you gambled? Now, there's a clue. If you don't want anybody to know what you're doing, I mean, that's kind of like, uh, you know, people who cover their drinking things of that nature, their drug use, 
Why don't they want anybody to know if it's okay? During the past 12 months, did you have such financial trouble as a result of your gambling that you had to get help with living expenses from family, friends, or welfare? <laughs> you know what? I've ran up such a, I've run up such a tab on gambling. I think I'm eligible for welfare. I need some government assistance. Hmm. Now, nobody needs to go there right now, but, but I stopped counting the number. I, I just said, how many, how many gambling apps are there? And I stopped counting at 15. You know, just kind of And if you think about it, what does that mean? If there are that many gambling apps, I mean, we can gamble anywhere. At home, at work, at church, right? While the pastor's preaching. Okay, number two, true or false? The reason most people gamble is because they are dissatisfied. Dissatisfied. They want something more, right? They're not happy. They want to, they want to maybe make themselves rich. How about this? I mean, if we think about, uh, you know, what were the worst three years in recent history? How many would vote for 2020 to 2022? <laughs> those were pretty, you know, 2020, 2021, 2022. Those are not grand years in the big scheme of things. Would you believe that casino gambling revenue, in other words, this is the money they made, not the money that was gambled, doubled during those years? During the big lockdowns, while everybody was getting inoculated, Gambling revenues doubled. And this is only in casinos. So I would say people were not very happy and they went out to make themselves happy. They doubled from 30 billion to 60 billion. And if you, if you do the math on that, what does that mean? If that was their profit and their profit margin, by the way, in casinos, is or was, they may have increased it, but it's about 12%. I, and here's one of the problems that we have. We, I mean, I, I stand before you. I must confess that I once uh, put a quarter in a, in a uh, you know, one of those things, one of those slot machines. Um, driving through Las Vegas, the person I was with drove around the block while I went in and put in a quarter, and then... You know, I drove around the block while she ran in there and put in a quarter so that we could both say we, you know, went to Vegas and gambled. Uh, 12% profit margin. So when we go into a casino, you know, our thought is what? That I'm gambling against the casino. But is that true? They, they let you win what? Just enough to stay there, but, but, you know, just think about it. Let's say Charlie owns a casino. <laughs> Welcome to Charlie's Casino. Okay, and you're going in and you're playing and you're thinking, well, the only person I'm gambling against is Charlie. Is that correct? Why isn't it correct? I'll tell you why. 
Because what's happened is all the people on this side of the room have already lost their money. And the people on this side of the room are coming in and they're going to try to win the money that those people lost. So Charlie is playing with these people's money. Sorry, folks. Yeah, well, it is kind of like a bank, except for it's a little bit. I mean, if you could go to the bank and get 12 percent interest on your money. We'd be better savers, right? Um, (laughs) True. Yeah. So the casinos are they don't lose money. I remember when I was a, a new deputy sheriff, you know, unbeliever. So just keep that in mind. But it didn't really doesn't really impact this story. But I was an unbeliever. But all the guys were just like, because I was working in a place where um, I got out of the academy. I was working in this place. It's called uh, PHR Ranch, Pichasana Rancho. And basically the inmates, it was kind of more like summer camp for adult men. I mean, they had jobs. They'd work in the dairy or they'd work here, there, or other places. But they could leave basically, if they wanted to escape, all they had to do was just walk away. So it wasn't like high stress or anything like that. Not like the time when I took Mike into the jail. I worked at the end of my career. And he was just like, we're locked in here? And I said, yes, Mike, we are. And he said, but you have your gun, right? No. But I do have a flashlight. Um, <laughs> he, he didn't. And he goes, and these people are in for, oh, murder or mayhem. You know, he's like, they're just walking the hallways. But anyway, these guys, these deputies that I worked with, didn't have a lot to do during their shift. We'd walk around and mill around. So when we got together, sometimes they'd talk about what they were doing. And guys were learning how to gamble, how to play a a dice game called craps. And they go, the odds are really in your favor. And I remember thinking, okay, I've been to Vegas. I just drove through. I've been to Vegas. I've seen those nice buildings. And I think... They didn't build those based on good odds, right? I mean, they're making a profit. It's built in. But, you know, whatever. People are going to think whatever they want to think. But during 20 to 20, 2020 to 2022, Massachusetts was number 15 in gambling, which is pretty impressive because we're not necessarily the big state, biggest state. In fact, California wasn't even on the top list of uh, because they don't have that many casinos. I mean, that really shows you that we pack those casinos in. Um, but the fact that they made 60, the casinos made $60 billion in revenue. And if you do the math and you go, okay, they, they keep 12%, what does that mean? That means like $500 billion was gambled. That's a lot of money, folks. I mean, you could start your own country with that kind of cash, right? Um, online sports gambling is expected to hit $10 billion this year. Phil Johnson says gambling is inconsistent with biblical virtue. It is fueled by and it fuels covetousness, greed, and materialism. So what about the argument that it's entertainment? Phil says, even if you're the sort of person that can perfectly control their impulses, and I mean, who can't? There are other 
considerations. Phil Johnson again. He says, a sinister principle underlying all gambling, and it is this, for every winner there are losers, and the winner's gains come at the loser's expense. There is no other way to gain money through gambling. And so again, you know, our mentality is, I mean, if we sit down at a, not that we would, but if we sat down at a table and we all put money in the middle, we would all understand that somebody's winning, somebody's losing. But when you go to a casino, the idea is, well, I'm just gambling against the casino. No, you're not. They've got a built-in profit margin. They're going to win no matter what you do. I mean, I'm no expert on gambling. How many experts on gambling are there? Never mind. Um, (laughs) But when they set these lines, you know, uh, New England is a seven-point underdog. I mean, I would like to say we're a favorite, but, you know, we're not playing, obviously. Uh, We're a seven-point underdog. Well, what does that mean? That means they've they've figured it out and they've done the math and basically New England is going to lose by seven points. So at seven points, it's a it's a break even at six. And that's why they do that half thing, by the way. So that, you know, there's more of a chance for more people to lose. But that's neither here nor there. What they do is they figured it out and they they figure that seven is the break even point, but they make sure that whichever side they think is going to win, that there's going to be more money on the other side. So they never, they're not stupid. They've done the science, right? I mean, this is like, you know, do you ever you ever do some kind of stuff with your kids involving money where you just think, well, I'm going to tell them I'm going to give them this amount of money if they do this, knowing that no matter what I say, I'll give you $10,000. You know, if you mow the yard backwards or whatever, you know, and you go, because you realize that their little arms are going to get tired before they finish the yard because you've got 10 acres, whatever. But, you know, you've got a good piece of the lawn mode and you feel good about yourself. No, that's gambling. I mean, they, they set the odds so that you cannot win. And no matter what you think in your feeble little mind, they've sorted that out. They're the experts. This is their business. You know, this is like, uh, you know, you walk in a... Placido's gym and you say, dude, I'm, I'm taking you down today. Probably not. You know, you want to go lifting with Araldo and you, you're going to tell him what to do. Probably not. There are some things you're not going to do well in. You think you're going to out eat Jerry Fish. No, you're not. <laughs> He's got a metabolism, that young man. But here's the point. When you win, you are taking that which belongs to another. The winner's profit always comes directly from the loser's pocket. And he says there's something more sinister than merely winning an athletic competition, which involves no material loss for the loser. When you gamble, you are taking something of value from someone else. It's the moral equivalent, he argues, of stealing. Now... There are arguments that people make about mutual consent, right? But if somebody says, you know, there are many situations where we would say moral consent doesn't mean it's a moral situation, right? I think we can agree to that. Prior consent 
Phil says, doesn't eliminate the evil in gambling. Then he says, and this is true, this is one of the things, if you study gambling, and I have in the past, I, I didn't read about it extensively for this, but if you study gambling, there are things that happen when a casino moves into your neighborhood. There are reasons people don't like it when casinos move into the neighborhood. Can you think of what some of those things would be? Crime, traffic. I mean, traffic is non-criminal, right? Prostitution. Alcoholism. Drug use. Why? Why do those things all attend that? Because as your inhibitions get dragged down, which they will, because why? I mean, anybody ever been to Vegas? Don't, don't raise your hand. When you, when you go there, if you're known as a high roller, we've all seen the movies, right? So we know. We're experts. If you go strolling into a Vegas hotel and you're known as a big roller, which means what? You, you lose a lot of money. Congratulations. High roller. They comp you the room. They give you free drinks. Why? Because the, yeah, the longer you're there, the more drunk you get, the less you care, the less you're, you know, thinking logically, the better for them. Other things happen when you get drunk, of course. Your inhibitions go down and you are more prone to prostitution and all the things that go with that. It's a downhill slide. Uh, oh, yeah. Why do you suppose organized crime might be involved? In, you know, I, I mean, I, in reading this uh, last couple of days, they go, hey, organized crime is not associated with casinos. Come on now. Again, we've seen the movies. We know better. Why would organized crime be associated with casinos and whatnot? Charlie. Yeah. There's no for, for it's easy to launder money. Loan sharking is another reason, right? If they, if you're in a bad spot and they can just give you a spot loan and charge you exorbitant amounts of interest, then they'll do that, right? It's easy money. Why else would organized crime be involved? Prostitution, drugs, all these things, and here, I'll just make it easy. It's where the money is, right? Why are they there? Because there's money to be made. Um, Phil goes on and he says, it is contrary, gambling is, to a biblical work ethic. It attempts to gain wealth without working for it. I went to, uh, you know, one of my favorite sources, Psychology Today. Listen to what they say. They say gambling is one of those activities where people can effectively get something for nothing. That's what makes it attractive. And they talk about the attraction of a lottery, for example, is that for a very small take, uh, stake, the individual can have a life-changing experience and things are further complicated by the fact that most lottery players don't see the activity as gambling. Now, I've talked about the lottery in the past. If you understood, well, first of all, I just mentioned a few times that the casinos make 12% profit. The government makes 50%, you know, on the uh, 
on the lottery, which when you realize, you know, it seems like a shocking amount. And just think of all the money that goes to the kids. And then <laughs> and then you go buy the the buildings that the lottery commission owns and you start thinking, well, wait a minute, people work in there, you know, do the math. And then you realize that, OK, 50 percent was never going to go to the kids. And then, of course, we know that money is fungible, which means what? It means if you've got a budget and you say, well, we're going to add this lottery money in here, then they take this lottery money and they move it out the other way and use it for something else. They're, you know, does it, it since we've had the lottery has, uh, you know, the money for education risen significantly in the state budget? And the answer is no. It's one of their favorite things to cut because they know that local government has to make it up. So because they, that, that's a fun game, right? The state sets the requirements for how much you have to spend on education. Then the state cuts education money and you still have to spend the money anyway. You just have to raise property taxes to do it. But enough of that. Uh, yes. OK, so what he's trying to say is. <laughs> oh, we're going to get there. Thank you for anticipating that. Yes, the stock market, it's no different than working in the stock yet. Well, yes, it is, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, still in psychology today because we have to get, you know, the real deal out here. People who enjoy playing roulette or betting on a football match, I guess soccer, properly called football, but we won't argue that today. Enjoy the betting or gaming experience itself. It's more fun. I've even heard this on advertisements, right? Because if you have a stake in the game, it makes the game more fun. I mean, it's more fun if you think, well, you know, is, uh, I don't know, Patrick Mahomes going to throw the first touchdown in the game or is somebody else going to do it? You know, I, I mean, you can gamble on virtually anything. It's, it's amazing to me because I listen to sports talk and I'm like, you know, here's a bet I really like. The guy will say, uh, Kansas City, number 78, will probably get the first holding penalty of the game. What? I mean, if, if, you're, if you're involved at that level, you've got a serious problem. Oh, yeah, he's got a proclivity. <laughs> Stop. Psychology Today, while gamblers may seem to be primarily driven by the profit motive, the psychological evidence is overwhelming that the that other desires affect gambling actions. Put simply, for most gamblers, our actions contradict the desire to maximize profits. Hmm. The golden rule in poker is never to give anything away, but the human psyche works in such a way that we want to show off once in a while. Our psychological makeup also means that we let pride get in the way of minimizing losses. What are they saying? They're saying, they're saying that there's a certain psychological bent in us that can't resist, you know, trying to recoup some money, trying to show off, all these kind of things. And what does that mean? It means we're going to lose more. I mean, casinos love all this stuff, and they play for it. This is all designed. I mean, I, I, 
I was watching, we were watching a show not too long ago, and people were sitting in, maybe this is real life, I don't know, real life and TV sometimes merge, but they're sitting in this gas station at these one-armed bandits, you know, slot machines, and they're just there for hours. And you go, what is wrong with you people? It's like, get a lot, I mean, you're better off, can't you at least scroll Twitter or something? I mean... <laughs> I just as an aside, you know, I was in the army in Okinawa and gambling was legal there. One of the guys in my company, he was always winning money on these slot machines. I was like, there's there's no skill at all in that. He goes, I am, you know, I'm just lucky. And I'm like, okay. I don't know what to say about that, you know. Um, psychology today, there are games, there are always games that should have been avoided. In other words, situations, gambling situations that should have been avoided. But players end up staying in them long after they knew it was a mistake. You win a big amount and you just keep going anyway. Why? Because you think you're on a hot streak. And the reality is you're just giving the casino their money back or some of it back. Uh... Talking about poker, none of us like to lose to those we think are weaker players or admit that the game was too hard, so we just keep going, keep pushing. How many times does a player continue playing because they want to try and get better of a great player or show off because there's someone they're trying to impress? Then they say, see if this sounds familiar, although it is a cliche, pride before a fall is commonplace. Hmm. Okay. Number three, question number three, true or false, anything that involves investment and risk is gambling. What do you think, true or false? It can be, but let's go back to the question. Because sometimes this guy who writes the questions knows what he's doing. True or false, anything that involves investment and risk is gambling. Not can be, but is. Thank you. (laughs) Sometimes I just like to go back to, you know, make sure we're on the same page. Okay. Phil Johnson, to gamble, this is his definition. To gamble is to wager on a contest or to play at a game of chance for stakes. To gamble is to wager on a contest or to play at a game of chance for stakes. When you gamble, you are risking money or something else of value on the outcome of something that involves an element of chance, uncertainty, or hazard for the possibility of winning something someone else has put at stake. That's his definition of gambling, which, by the way, as we'll see here in a bit, Rules out the stock market. Because if I invest in stock, does that mean somebody else, if mine goes up, does somebody else have to lose? No. Then he says, a stake is a prize one person stands to gain through the loss of others. Now, this is my personal opinion, and I think it's something Phil will echo later. Uh, If you play a Superman, Superman, if you play <laughs> jump off the roof. No. If you play like these Super Bowl sheets, you know, 10 by 10 squares. If you're in a fantasy football league, and depending on the stakes, you know, whatever. 
if you do something that's once a year, twice a year, or whatever, and doesn't involve much money, it's not the same thing. I mean, is it the same principle? Yes, and Phil will argue that. But it's not the same thing. Um, I would argue that always playing the lottery is greed. Why do you do it? You know, people say, well, I only play it when it hits, you know, a billion dollars. Okay, what are you telling me? I want a lot of money, and I don't want to risk much. That's, that's greed. Phil Johnson. Investing in the stock market is not gambling, regardless of how much risk is involved. If a stock gains value, all the investors earn money. The gains of one investor are not financed by the losses of others. In other words, there are no losers when a stock gains value. When the stock value increases, the economic pie grows. And that's the difference, you know, in gambling, it's a fixed pie. The only money that you can win is money that's been gambled or is being gambled. I mean, what happens if you break the bank? You know, if you go to the casino, was that a hand? Okay, just a minute. If you go to the casino, you know, you, you say, well, I've got, uh, and they let you do this, you know. I mean, I don't know that they would. You put everything that you've won on, you know, what, what are the numbers on a roulette wheel? Do they go to 35? Whatever it is. You, you know, you put it all on the one number and it wins and they go, you've broken the bank. What does that mean? It means you now own the hotel, but you're not getting all that money, right? Now you can rip off other people. So congratulations. Yes, so Nathan. You mentioned that with a, I certainly don't think the stock market is gambling, but you mentioned with the stock market going up, everyone goes up. Nope, nope. When you buy a stock and it goes up, that's not the same as the stock market because the stock market overall, individual stocks will go up and other stocks will go down. Okay, so it, it, when an individual stock goes up, yes, the owners of that stock all participate. Yes. Options traders that are betting against the downfall of that stock. Right? So when a stock goes up, there can be investors who have lost due to the growth of that stock. Okay, fair. But he's not, he's not addressing options, you know, because options are different. I mean, what, what is option buying? It's betting, right? I mean, that, that's what it is. I'm going to sell short. I'm going to sell whatever. You're betting that a stock is going up or down, and so, and you may have more information than other people, but it's still a gamble and not an investment. So, so would you then classify options? Yes, I would. Yes. Yes, I would. Yep, all that. Because because you're not thinking long haul. You're thinking, you know, essentially, you're not doing it hoping that things are going to, you know, I, I'm not going to cash out in seven or eight or ten years. I'm going to cash out sooner rather than later. It's a it's a it's a bet that the market's going up or down, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's it's a net. If we could. Look at it this way. For society in general, it's a net positive. You know, you're, it's a hopeful sort of thing. Um, yes. Yeah, please don't because, you know, I'm, I'm not, when it comes to the market, I'm not the expert. Go ahead. Okay. I, I'd go for that. He said that options could be like an insurance policy. In other words, 
and, and, you know, you'd have to give me the example, but, you know, you could own a lot of Apple shares and, you know, thinking, well, they, they're probably going to go up, but then you might buy, you might get a deal on an option where if it goes down, you know, I'm insured against losses. So, you know, some, I mean, that's probably a super simplistic example, but, um, you know, that way you've got a hedge where you could make a ton of money on Apple stock and all those kids working in China to make you uh, rich. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Or, you know, on, on the other hand, if it goes down, you've got the option and you're, and you're covered. Yeah, Charlie. I, I hope it's not, you know, on stock options because I, yeah. Um, Cindy says you're giving. And, and essentially, I think if you think of it, of it that way as it's a donation, then it's a donation, right? On the other hand, you know, if I want it, I'm keeping the cash. No, no. That's not. <laughs> Investing in and of itself is not sinful. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have used it as an example. That's right. Okay, other thoughts, questions? Taylor. And, and, and I think that really is, you know, because I, I was thinking that exact same thing last night. I'm just like, okay, in a way... This is much like alcohol. I mean, it's not like drugs, right? Because drugs, sorry, uh, you know, any, any people struggling with drugs, that's just flat out sin. Alcohol, if you take, you know, if somebody says, well, I drink a glass of wine once a week. Okay. We say, well, I drink a glass of wine every night. And then, you know, it's two glasses of wine and three glasses of wine. And okay, well, all right. I drink a couple nips on the way home. You, there, there's, <laughs> and if you're driving from Boston, who can blame you, really? But, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's a good example because, you know, it, it may be a situation like you're, you're going to the little league and you throw in five bucks or, or whatever, and like, who cares? Because I just view it as a donation. If you go to the casino and you throw in five bucks, I, I don't, you know, I'm making it as a donation to the casino. Okay, I don't, I don't think we could draw that parallel. But yeah, I think that's, I think it is a good illustration because, um, if we have perfect impulse control, there are certain things that we could do and I could go, like, you know, the, the illustration of the Super Bowl sheet. That's the only thing I do every year. You know, we do it at work. Everybody puts in five bucks, and whoever gets it wins the whole thing. Okay. You know, if that, that makes you happy. Um, and it's just kind of something we do for fun. All right. But if that's it, you know, they go, well, you know, you might want to go to betting.com or whatever, and you start getting involved with that. Well, then you've got another issue. So it's like... How close and how much control do you have? And for some people, I mean, it's just like drinking. For some people, they look at that, you know, 10 by 10 Super Bowl grid and they go, I, I can't even go down that road. Because once I start doing that, then I'm just, I shouldn't say I'm off to the races. Um, <laughs> but yes, I'm off to the races, yeah. Um, because some people just have no impulse control, right? So do I want to tempt myself? And the answer should be no, I should not. Um, you know, if, you, if your attitude about credit cards is, well, I've still got room on that credit card, then you probably should not go into the mall, right? I mean, or go online and you should be locked in a closet somewhere. Um, <laughs> 
there, there are some, there are some people, you just need to know what your, what your weaknesses are. And, you know, for some people, um, gambling is just in any form is just awful. Other thoughts, questions, Corey? Why did you rob the bank? I needed, I needed a new bowling ball. I've heard that many, many times. <laughs> Charlie. Okay, go ahead. Well, and that's the, the statistics. I had to kind of pause to make sure I enunciated properly. The statistics show that it's typically the people who could least afford to do it. And, that, and it's that way with the lottery, too. You know, it is a tax, and pardon me for anybody who borrows or who buys uh, lottery tickets, but it's a, essentially a tax on the poor um, who overwhelmingly, I mean, John Kerry is not buying lottery tickets. Um, he's just asking his wife for more money. Sorry. Um, it, it's a tax on the, on the poor and people who don't know, I'll just put it nicely, people who don't know how bad it is. I mean, it, um, the lottery is. I mean, you know, people say, well, you know, when it gets up to this or that or the other thing, that's when I play. And I'm like, okay, but you might as well get your car, roll down your windows, drive down the street and hope money will start flowing into your windows because that's about your chances of winning the lottery. Um, Not really good. Well, that's rather sobering. Um, I mean, people pawning their their gold teeth, at least I guess they're not real teeth. Uh, That that's that's. I mean, that just kind of shows, you know, that when people get desperate enough, they do what we would call, you know, basically crazy things. Um, let's see, where are we going to end this here? Yeah, get, gambling, gambling is a destroyer of people, um, of families. There's really, there's really nothing good to be said about it. And, you know, like I said, if, if you just think, you know, they'll say good paying jobs for what? The people who, you know, pull the chips away or push the chips out. Wow. You, I mean, what does that take? An advanced degree? Sharon. Absolutely. I, I mean, in, and, and idolatry isn't part of it. And, and we'll get to the scriptures on this uh, in two weeks. Next week, I'm going to be. Suffering for the Lord in Florida, <laughs> visiting all the casinos. Uh, not true. Not true. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, we, if you think about it, and, you know, I think we have to be really careful in saying that some things are not a sin. I would say, you know, if you're talking about the 50-50 raffle and you're just basically giving the money and you, you don't care what happens to it, it's a contribution to the organization, I, I think that's on a separate thing. But he makes the point that it's the principle that's, wrong because you're trying to gain from other people's loss. So I think in that sense, it is separate from having a sip of wine in that it's always morally wrong. It's just a question of, is it really a problem? Yeah. Well, and and that's what it is. It's ultimately a lack of contentment and it just manifests itself, you know, a different degree. It's Nathan and then we have to go. What? Well, and Phil, Phil will eventually address exactly that, and he'll say, you know, we're not going to do church discipline on a penny any poker game. That's not the point. The point is, he goes, the principle is still the same. You know, now we're just talking about about a matter of degrees, and he goes, you know, that's kind of like in the 
Well, I, I do have some more, some scriptures, but let me just give you one since I have a, I have a, they're all backloaded here. If I just throw out, uh, like this one. Put to death, therefore, this is Colossians 3 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And listen to this list sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So, I mean, we, we've kind of, you know, so, and, and, you know, to your point, you know, if you want to steal your brother's $10, um, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of the, the, the small potatoes thing we really have to go, but Charlie, real quick. Yes. And, and that's right, exactly. What we've done is essentially trade the, the peace of trusting God into the stress, you know, to use a modern word, of not knowing what's going to happen and not knowing what's going to happen to our money, you know, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, anyway, we have to pray. Father, Thank you for this time this morning, for this discussion. Uh, Lord, help us to just really think through these issues and all the ancillary things that are uh, uh, attached to gambling and the ideas behind it. Um, Father, help us to look at it in, you know, even if we just thought about it this way. If the world loves something, what should we think of it? And And I think... At the very least, Lord, I, I hope you would give us a caution, a warning, you know, a big yellow line that we would really consider these things. And, Lord, strengthen and, and give us grace in these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.